Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian O'Malley and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience across a host of industries. If you're passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn about how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, Mr. Brian Hamaui, Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Hamaui. How you doing, bud? Good, and you? I'm good. It's been a while since we've uh, since we've chatted. It's been start of conference season. We have uh, we haven't gotten a chance to to get together a lot. What's what's been going on in your world? Crazy. I think uh, we're we're just getting past the summer season here with yep. the vacation. So. We calm down a little bit, trying to clean up the houses, get staff back into gear, and get ready for the next seasons. So it's been uh, it's been a really really interesting period. I think um, travelers has changed quite a bit, owners have changed a bit, expectations have changed. So I think we're going to get into some of that stuff today, especially on the guest uh, the guest side. But you were at a pretty impressive conference. I think one of the first big conferences of the season, Streamlines, right? Yeah, it was over at Streamline in Phoenix. It was uh, only 107, so it was it was nice and cool. But uh, no, it is. I think they pride themselves as kind of being the, the big kickoff to the conference season. And they do a nice job. I think outside of Verma, it's probably the largest conference for, for the vacation rental industry. Maybe, you know, they probably had 700 attendees. I don't know that a lot was real different. I don't feel like I saw a lot of new or things that had changed, but it was good to, you know, see everybody and start to get back together and start to get the travel legs under us because it is about to be a long, long fall. Going to go over to Spain in a couple of weeks and uh, where you and I were last year at the Vitour and, uh, and I think you and I will hopefully get together at a few conferences. We got Book Direct in Miami, so it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But I'm excited today because you know, going back, you know, when we look at Explory too, ultimately, you know, that concierge service is so I think is so critical to travel. I think it always has been, it always will be because travel. Generally speaking, you're going someplace you're unfamiliar with. And as much as we've tried to automate and make it easier to plan travel and plan your trips once you once you're going, it's still you're looking for those local recommendations, those experiences that really resonate, that make you feel like you've gotten to to see what a what a destination is, what it's all about. And I think when you look at a lot of the travel products we we've created and we continue to create, a lot of it is just circled around trying to get better at that, making yeah. it easier for people to have those experiences. And that's all the concierge is where that all started. And I still think today is probably one of the best executed ways to deliver on that. Well, I think it's all about the human executing. Yeah. That. And it's one of the things that we, as as a vacation rental industry, you know, for those that are in the vacation rental industry, is something that we struggle with because we can't have concierge desks at every single house. Whereas hotels, 
can have somebody very well trained for that particular hotel, that particular destination, and they do it extremely well. So it's something that I think is worth studying. Uh, I know you do a lot, a lot of, a lot of that, uh, and then you implement it in technology, um, and you guys do an excellent job. I mean, you, you are the leaders of, I would say, concierge service through technology and homes, but today's guest really is all about concierge. I, I think. Most people recognize her. So why don't we get into, into the show? Sarah Dendashi, she is a, um, she's been in the industry for over 18 years. She, with hotel experience, Sarah has worked at some of the top hotels in the country for over 15 years. She was a hotel concierge and a part of the prestigious organization, Le Clef d'Or International. In nice. 2015, she earned a special award from the organization, which helped her create and foster generations of concierges titled best young concierge in the world. Sarah is also a major influencer, content creator, uh, through her platform, Ask a Concierge. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. This yeah. is exciting. It's always a great conversation when it's, you know, anything concierge related and guest <laughs> experience related. <laughs> It is. It's a fun conversation. I'm really excited to to uh, have you on the show. We got to meet a couple of weeks ago at the High Tech Conference and um, struck some really interesting conversations and and really wanted to get you on the show. So that, before we get started, for those of those of us that don't know your background or have never seen you, why don't you give us a little bit of who you are, what you do in the industry, and how you got into the concierge space? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, kind of as you said, so I've worked in the luxury hotel space for over 18 years. Of those years, 15 of them as a hotel concierge. And as you mentioned, Lay Clay Door, I was part of the organization, still am, but not an active member because I'm not at a hotel. But Lay Clay Door is the gold keys of concierge. So if you've ever been in a really, you know, fancy high-end hotel and you've gone past the concierge desk or maybe talked to the concierge and they have gold keys on their lapel, that's how you know that you are dealing with an absolute professional. It is an hmm. extremely difficult organization to get into. It's kind of um, you've even seen some of the movies like Grand Budapest Hotel. It's just like secret, but not so secret brotherhood, ancestorhood of concierge that it's kind of like if you know one, you're connected to all of them around the world. So I've been part of that organization for quite some time. So my background very much is being, you know, has been a concierge and delivering that high level service. Now, about 10 years ago, uh, as it kind of ended up being a happy accident, I was asked to do a, basically a vlog, a video blog of, of something I'm an expert in. And I was like, oh, this is going to be ridiculous. What am I going to do? And then I, was, I just sat there and I like took stock of everything. And I'm like, well, I give people advice on what to do on a daily basis, like what to eat, see, and do in LA. Nobody's going to want to watch me talk about this. I'm just going to do this and just whatever. I'll put it out there on the internet. Like, <laughs> like, I'll put it out there on the internet. I guess I'll call it Ask a Concierge. So simple, right? Sometimes like the best ideas are the simplest ideas. Yep. And it immediately took off. And I also immediately realized that, wow, my information as far as what to do in Los Angeles was not only applicable to those coming to L.A., but those actually here as well, too. Yeah. So that's kind of where the birth of Ask a Concierge came from. And it was very much this notion of doing that, you know, that that classic professional concierge advice, but now bringing it to social media and then through video, through social and all different forms. And it's grown on 
into, and it's taken on a life of its own. I work with a lot of big hotel brands. I don't even work at a hotel behind a desk anymore. Um, I do have a couple of private clients to keep my, to keep me on my toes, but yes, it's been a very exciting transition. And that is, that's a bit of my, my background. (laughs) It's so cool. You know, Brian, when we think about it, because we, again, going back to when we were kind of doing this intro, if you experience the really unique opportunities, experiences, whatever they are in a city, it, it enriches your travel to such a level. And look, and there's nothing against, I think if you go to New York, you need to go to, you know, the Empire State Building and go down to Ground Zero and, you know, and the Statue of Liberty. Those are all really, really cool things and, and things you ought to see. But in a lot of these cities, even for the locals, they don't realize the hidden gems that are around every corner. I mean, Sarah, as you think about the con- the role of a concierge in a mm-hmm. hotel, I get I think holistically, right? It is one. It's, it's being able to open doors and and get people into see these yeah. experiences. But it's bigger than just simple recommendations of yeah the the normal touristy things to do, right? Oh, totally. I always say, you know, the hotel concierge in that space is it is your liaison to the city. And and Mm. part of what makes a good concierge is somebody that can basically do a quick read on who the guest is and give an appropriate recommendation for them. You know what I mean? If there's somebody that's like, okay, I, you know, I'm traveling with my kids, but we want something high end and this and that, like something that you might send a family to is going to be very different than if you've got maybe, let's say an older couple and they're like, we want something more sophisticated and maybe like they're playing jazz, you know? So it's being able to really like tailor your recommendations. Somebody that's like, Hey, I only eat at kosher restaurants. What are your kosher restaurant recommendations? Like knowing all of that. So it is this really interesting role because it's like you have your finger on the pulse of things. But at the same time, I always say it's not about knowing all of the answers right away, because I mean, you could ask me like, hey, where's a great place that I can get like spaghetti gelato? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, okay, I'm going to have to look into that for you. (laughs) Find out. So again, at any point, that's a very random thing. But and I do know where to get that. But, uh, you know, if it's all about kind of like finding, finding those, you know, recommendations as well too. So, and you're constantly learning. Um, So, uh, but it is this really interesting space because again, you're helping people have that experience and coming back to actually what you just said, you know, as far as like, Oh, the empire state building or like the big, the, the big experiences or the quote unquote touristy experiences. Those are absolutely okay to go visit in a destination. And maybe it is through the use of a concierge that they can help you not wait in as long of a line or can get you better access or can give you a recommendation to somebody that can give you a private tour experience of it so that it's not just the Empire State Building, but it's like you're getting to do maybe a private tour experience and now you're seeing a whole different side of it. So that person really is going to help you see the destination in a different way than if you're just necessarily doing a random Google search and pulling up ideas, which is fine. That's, that's a way to do it as well too. But the concierge element to any stay, uh, and I think, you know, obviously I have a hotel background, but I mean, even as a vacation rental, you know, when you have a vacation rental, you have to remember that where they're staying 
where the guest is staying is only one part of the whole experience. So how does where you're staying help you experience the destination? So it, it goes, as you mentioned before, it's a holistic sort of approach, but it is, it, it rounds out and it makes all, they can have an amazing experience in the city. And that will also make them have a wonderful memory of, of their stay with you as well. I think concierge, Matt, and we talk about this a lot, is the single most important people element inside of hospitality. I think we connect really well. We've done we've done an excellent job of automating things like the reservation process, automating the check-in process. But when it gets down to it, building the actual experience and having that communication piece with the guest comes down to the concierge. And I feel that hotels have nailed it. I mean, they really understand the guests that's coming in. They understand repeat guests, something that we haven't. I don't think that the vacation rental has necessarily managed to get that aspect of the business right. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's because we have a lack of training in, in that space. I mean, hotels really do dedicate a ton of resources to it. Mm -hmm. To me, the concierge person is a connector. I mean, yeah. when I think about a concierge person, and I talk about this all the time, you have to be fully immersed in that local area. You have to know absolutely everybody in that local space. And you have to also be able to create a relationship with the people that you're referring your customers to. Otherwise, it falls apart, which is why this is such a difficult exercise. Property managers and vacation rentals run a vacation rental business. And that in itself is complicated because they've got so many hats to wear. What we don't have time is to then take on the concierge aspect of it. Yeah. Start going and meeting all of these people and creating all of these unique experiences to then be able to serve it to the guests, which is really where technology comes into play. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, do you think that technology can or will replace the aspect of concierge or is it something that especially in hotels, will never be replaced because we really need that human element. You need the human element. Now, that being said, and I am very pro-technology. I mean, that is where we're going. How many of you guys probably have your phone right next to your hand, right? Mm -hmm. I do too. Look, that, I mean, that's the reality. When it comes to technology, you can sit and look at your own habits to know where we're going, you know? So you can't say, oh, we can't have technology. Like, okay. Okay, like this is how it's going to be. Now, the key is, is how to weave it in so it does streamline some things that maybe you don't need a human for. So if you're looking for just general recommendations of what to do, maybe that can come up on your phone. But is your phone going to make a phone call <laughs> and get you that reservation at XYZ restaurant, which if you go on open table... It's not available there. So it, you might be able to have some plugins that it can plug in and make a reservation, but it's like, can it go beyond what's not accessible online? And mm. that is the human element. So I feel like you're always going to need to have, you know, a human there to kind of like, maybe the technology takes the guests like through 80% of the way, but then you have to have that human element to help execute it or fine tune it as well too. And I think that there's also something to be said, you know, as I was talking about these, like curating these recommendations, yes, you can ask for general things, et cetera, but, you know, there's something to be said for reading a guest mm -hmm. and being like, okay, this is, this is their vibe. This is what they're going to, they seem like they want trendy hip or it's like, oh, they seem like they want classic old school or 
Okay. They just want a hole in the wall, like super local experience. I mean, could those be things that you could click through to like filter recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's very different understanding recommendations versus like securing a reservation for you are the two things that are different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the key. You can have anything can spit out recommendations. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like doing the work. Sure. There's also trust element there, right, Matt? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would trust a human over computers and reviews 90% of the time. Well, I don't think that a, a computer can really give you that level of of trust well but it's interesting so so you brought up a really interesting point that you were talking about hotels and how they're really good at curating for their guests generally generally it's because they have an idea of who their typical guest is Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because it's like because of the brand the style the the, etc obviously you will have guests of all types (laughs) ultimately at the end of the day but there's a general type of guest so i think that that's a really great mindset to be in especially in the vacation rental space it's like okay what general type of guest is going to be staying with me that obviously can change but i think that that is a really good indicator or a good starting point when it comes to figuring out okay like Generally, the people that stay here, they like to stay here because of the location and they want to walk or, you know, they want casual or it's a really beautiful high end, you know, property. And they're like, okay, they're going to want more high end restaurant experiences. And by the way, we're just focusing on restaurants, but there's so much more to it as well, too. So I think that you can kind of if you start looking at your individual properties as hotels themselves, as far as that experience, that should help direct you know, or at least streamline the the average recommendations that you might be making. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, one thing I think would be interesting to get your thoughts on is understanding a little bit around the economics and how you view yeah. them, both from the property standpoint, right? And then from the concierge standpoint, one of the shifts, so I've been on four panels already this year, uh, I was on one yesterday around ancillary revenue in the vacation rental space. Mm-hmm. And I've, I I keep cautioning people to, you know, a lot of them think, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money on selling activities. And, you know, my concern is I don't really know that that's the value. If you approach a concierge service, type service, whether it's in-person, virtual, however you're going to be able to scale it, is that really the value or is it in in improving that guest loyalty? Because I've suggested these properties, look, if you can do it for a minimal cost, you ought to do it because the benefits of the repeat guests and everything are going to vastly outsize any you know, little ancillary revenue you're trying to make. Are we looking at it wrong? I would say it, it, it's, it's all thing. It's like, it comes with the entire package, you know? So it comes with the package. So maybe you charge a little bit more per night, you know, and you make note or you advertise that like, oh, it comes with a concierge service. You know, mm. I mean, that's where the value add is yes. not necessarily on the back end. Like, oh, I'm going to make $25 per person on a tour, um, which by the way, that's a bonus. You know, I mean, that's like that's like the nuts and bolts. But like what I always caution, and again, this is traditionally speaking, 
Okay. So to first of all, just at least address that, what I just kind of tossed out there casually is that understanding concierge services is that it is like a referral fee, like sure. how you would use a realtor and they, they make money off of sales. The same thing would be not with all businesses, but with some in the concierge space. Now, that being said, a true concierge doesn't let that dictate where they send people. Important. I think that's important. And that's the most important thing. If I mean, I can't tell you, I, this is a classic example. I always say I had started at a property and they worked with this one florist and owners were sweet as can be, but their flowers sucked. Like, I was like, what is that? Like, I was like, I could buy something nicer at the grocery store and stick it in a vase. And I was like, and I am no florist, uh, but they were so nice. And, and compared to what I'd been used to, I'd worked with this other company and it's like, their flowers are amazing. I mean, and granted, like they do flowers for like Oprah and this. It's like, you know that if you're going to call them and they're going to deliver flowers, like you're going to look like a rock star. But then the one gave a 20% commission and the other gave a 10% commission. So like, you know, that adds up over time and that's a significant change. But I remember like we as a team, I was like, okay, look, I'm sorry. And I know they're super nice, but like, and I know they may, we may make more money, but I was like, in good faith, I cannot send flowers that look like that to somebody that with my name behind it, that looks horrible. So that they were dead. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> so that's where you have to find too, that you have to be like, okay, I might actually be making less on this, but I know people are going to be impressed and more will, will come. And it's also that representation of you. And it's a representation of you and your recommendation or your suggestion or experience, but it's also what the guest wants. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you have to ultimately put the guest first when it comes to that. Like maybe it's like, okay, cool. There's like a weird tour in Hollywood that they go to like where all the people, all celebrities have died. I don't happen to have a relationship with them. That's a very specific request. Somebody asked for that. I'm like, okay, let's make that happen. I may not make anything off of it, but that is like totally their cup of tea. And then they come back and they're like, I did this amazing tour and I yeah. discovered where everybody died. And it's like, okay, okay, cool. Like you're happy. That made your trip, you know? And, and again, I'm throwing out these really bizarre examples, but that is what the world of, of concierge is, is that at any point, any day, any stay, somebody is going to be coming up to you and asking for something or reaching out and asking for something that you're like, that's new. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, yeah. So it's how to think outside of the box with that and ultimately give them what they want. I think the evolution of concierge has changed. I mean, all of those things that you just said is fascinating to me because you're absolutely right. If somebody, you know, if, if a customer asks me for a bouquet of flowers and I spend a hundred bucks and it arrives and it looks like dead flowers. And I used to own a flower shop as well. So those people <laughs> that don't know have to do very high end flowers in the area and, or I'm going to take a picture of it and I'm going to upload it into Instagram and be like, this hotel, look what they sent me. Totally. And, and, uh, or the opposite is I might make less money, but I received this amazing bouquet of flowers. The hotel goes above and beyond. Mm. I post that to Instagram and all of a sudden I might've, as a hotel, I might've earned less money, but that just that simple photograph could generate me so much more business mm -hmm. because the impression is I am actually taking care of my guests, no matter what the cost is, mm -hmm. is what, what have been the biggest differences that you've seen? 
in the past, let's say in the last five years, the biggest changes that you've seen as a concierge from them to now, whether it's technology or people-based, and how do you continue to train your staff so that they continue to provide the best service possible? Great question. So two key, key ways is, uh, one is how guests like to communicate. You know, for the longest time, it was like, oh, print it out on nice paper. They want to read it. Now they're like, just text me. Like, I remember when it was like, oh, can I call them on their cell? And I'd have to be like, is it okay if I call you on your cell phone? Because it was like, your cell phone's so private. And it's and now they're like, please call me or text me. Most of the time, they're like, just text me for, for everything. They don't even want a confirmation email necessarily. They just want you to text them. So the com communication style has definitely changed. And then with that, also, um, guests are looking for more. I mean, yes, there are times that they absolutely might want like the nicest, fanciest places, you know, like the CNBC. But they, more often they're like, what are the hidden gems? What are like the cool experiences? And I'm talking about from like luxury properties, you know, so where it's like they, they can go wherever. So this has been this really interesting shift that it's not necessarily money driven or finance driven, but it really is experience driven. And if it happens to cost more and be that, sure. But if it happens to be like a local shawarma place and they are wanting that, you know, because that's really cool for whatever reason, they're more driven by that experience, the actual experience than maybe like the cost of things. You know, Brian, a couple of things Sarah has said really strike the core. I mean, definitely, I think the experience economy it's sure. why people are traveling now down to the place they stay, but also where they're deciding to go and, mm -hmm. and have those experiences. But knowing your guests, which she talked about earlier, right? If you've got, if, if you cater to guests who are eco-conscious, mm -hmm. then you need to know like, the activities and recommendations you're going to make are need to fit. It's almost that we're, yeah. we're all much more we're putting out there what our values are. We're, we're wearing our values a little bit more on our sleeve than we did in the past. But it reminds me, Brian, of something you go back to a lot, which is knowing the guests, having a place where, you know, whether it's a loyalty program or somewhere so that the next time they come, whether it's your concierge or what have you, they shouldn't start from ground zero with every guest in, in our industry, repeat guests are really high in leisure. And mm -hmm. so we're not using that to our advantage. And I think sometimes guests feel like, man, I've been staying here five years and you're still asking me if I want to, you know, go on eco tours when that's all I ever do. Right. Or, or things like that. I, I don't know. I imagine Sarah, that's somewhere we we've got a, your, your team probably gets to know people on that really personal level. But I mean, are they storing that information? How, I mean, in the curious. Yeah. And I'm curious as well, because one of the things that I think the hotel space does, which we still don't have the ability to do unless you're a, uh, you have multiple locations, which is they store the information of their guest. And it doesn't matter where that guest travels, as long as they're staying with that brand, they know the guest. Yes. Hmm. Vacation rentals, we still haven't managed to <sighs> yeah. information and send it. Imagine if all property managers, Matt, 
had guest information about the things that they love to do, the type of food that they love, the, yeah. the music that they listen to, the experiences. And we weren't so, I'm going to call it egotistical, but it's not, that's not the right word, but we weren't so scared to share information about the guest. Yeah. The guest experience would change dramatically. Yeah. Oh, completely. And that's, and that's a great point is it's like, how do you share that information in a way that like the guest doesn't feel threatened by you sharing that information right. as well? Because like you are, it, it, it does bring up different challenges, but it does also make the hotel experience so different. I'll use a great example. It was a hotel I used to work at and they're not the only ones that do this, but a lot of high-end hotels tend to, but like the Peninsula and Beverly Hills, for example. Their housekeeping staff is trained. This sounds It sounds weird, but it's a really nice touch. Their housekeeping staff is trained that like, you know, when they go in the room, they can actually figure, they do monogrammed pillowcases, okay? So they have a stack of monogrammed pillowcases. And if they don't have like your initials, they will make sure to get your initials and have them on the bed for you when you come and stay there. And that means it can be if you're a solo person or whether it's a husband and wife, et cetera. And so they, they make note of that. What the housekeeping staff can do is they can see who tends to sleep on what side of the bed so that, let's just say, you have a husband and wife or whatever, a couple, and you can tell that somebody sleeps on the right side, somebody sleeps on the left side, that the monogram pillowcases are on the correct side of the bed. Wow. Now that, I use that because, again, it's an extreme example, but it's how to do something that's that's highly personal, but like is such a nice touch. Oh, and by the way, Talk about a great thing is that all guests can take those monogram pillowcases home with them, no charge. Done. So, but but behind, I mean, that goes to the point. uh, Why do we use Google? Google makes my life easy. When Mm -hmm. I type it in, the chances are it's on the first page. Mm -hmm. If you constantly had to go to pages two, three, four, and five to find it, and they weren't learning, Mm -hmm. then it's not as a it's not a convenience. And I think we've shown at least Americans in particular, we're willing to give up some data about ourselves, if you are going to make my life easier, where I think we get frustrated to your points here earlier, you got to be careful. It can't feel creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I I don't, it doesn't. And I don't feel like people are stalking, but then also you can't take my guest data and then also not make my life easier. Now I feel like I've given up something of value for nothing in return. I also, yeah. And I also feel that we try to do things the easiest way possible. Guest experience, customer experience Art. is difficult. It's a very, very difficult well, it's thing. personalized. Yeah. It is. And you just said, that is not an easy exercise. You really have to think about linens, and I'm sure they go down to the linen count and figure out, you know, what type of linens do some of these people want in their house mm-hmm. and expect or in, in, in the hotels. And that in itself just complicates operationally everything that you're doing, but mm-hmm. it elevates that customer experience to to a whole different degree. So Sarah, where's the industry headed now? As you look into your crystal ball, obviously, like you said, tech's playing a role, but I, I think it was really important. Tech is making it easier on the guests to access sometimes the service, but it is yeah. still the service that guests are looking for. But where do you see things going over the next, you know, three, five years, do you think, within the concierge space? So personalization is still king and it's going to continue to be that way. It's kind of like people want to, it, 
it's like they might get an inspiration or an idea for where to go or where to stay from online, from social media. We all know social media has a huge impact on the travel industry, all aspects of it. So they might like get an idea from it. But then like the real differentiator is going to be like, this is how my experience was catered for me. And it was curated for me and my interests. Or, uh, you know, it's like I require a special diet because of X, Y, Z, or I'm allergic to this. And they they knew that. Um, so it's this personalization that is definitely going to continue. And that's going to be something that will absolutely be driving the luxury market. Hmm. You know, because, again, we all have technology at our fingertips. But it's like, what is the differentiator for luxury? It's personalization. And that's where you do need the human element to be able to execute that, fine tune that, et cetera. So it's just this balance of double downing on that along with technology. Yeah. That is, I, I think that's, that's it. You're working towards very similar technology, Matt. I think that is, that is the goal with some of the product that you guys are putting together, which is personalization, learning about the guest in-house. How do we serve the guest better? Uh, and then bringing video content to them when they need it, right? Yes, but I, I do think too. You know, while it's in, in, I was I was appreciative that Sarah mentioned that you know it was an extreme example, which I I really appreciated of because maybe it's just me. My wife and I. It could be a hotel. It could be a tent. We sleep on, I can tell you, if you're at the foot of the bed, I'm on the right and she's on the left. I don't know if I could sleep. Like I'd have to get up and be like, you got to switch me. Like, I don't know what to do over here. <laughs> but, but I also think it's important. It doesn't have to be crazy like that to start. Yeah. And that's sometimes okay. I think, right. People think, oh my gosh. And they feel like it's this huge thing. You know, hotel groups that say, do you like, you know, if I'm, if you're a member of loyalty, do you like firm or soft pillows? Like if you could start yep. there, that's a huge impact on the, you know, people's enjoyment of how well did they sleep and things like that. You can start small, right, Sarah? You can totally start small. And actually, I love that you brought this up because obviously I'm bringing up extreme examples, but something that I've seen in vacation rentals, and I will also say that many hotels have actually done this. Something as simple as even like a curated list of recommendations, because again, you, if I go into a vacation rental and it, it's there's like a little like sheet of, hey, these are some of the most popular restaurants in the area. And they've already done the work. Like if you're looking for a high end, you know, evening activity, this is great. If you want something casual, quick around the way, uh, this is where the closest grocery store is, etc. I know that seems kind of mundane. But just something that's gone, so that somebody's put that together and maybe it's signed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe you just sign it at the end, but it's obviously it's all printed out. Something like that adds a personalized touch in a way that you can kind of scale. And at least it starts it that way. It sets that tone. And that's a very easy addition that people can give a sort of sense of space and place. Or maybe they do... Um, have suggestions for activities and maybe they go as far as being like, Hey, you can call like big bus tour and speak to Mary or say that this, whatever it is, like maybe you've established a relationship so that they can actually make the call themselves, but you're giving the name of that person, yeah. you know, so that you know that you might not have to be hands-on because some guests don't 
they're like, I'm good doing it myself. But like, you've just helped make that connection. Um, while then being able to a little bit easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and this goes, and I know we're running out of time here, but so your, your book hospitality from within, uh, we talk about how ultimately the technology makes it look easy, but it's still, you know, it's the duck who's looks easy on the, on the top, which I think is what we're all looking for. You know, your feet may be kicking, but the guests feel like, man, it was just seamless, but it starts with people. And I think your book hospitality from within is a great way if people are looking at how do I kind of instill hospitality into my employees that, that, you know, the role of hospitality, I encourage people to, um, to check it out because I I think it can help them as they're looking to mentor some of these young people coming up within hospitality. Cause I think we need a lot. Hospitality is hard and you're seeing, uh, I, I would just say it's, it's, the hours are tough. Sometimes it's, you can't do it remote. A lot of times as we've talked about here and we need, we need to be drawing in talent into this industry um, because that's, what's going to keep it going. Oh, absolutely. And again, it's, it's, and that, you know, the book kind of like ties into that, but it's, it's how do you deliver that genuine service mm-hmm. and make those real connections? And then how in, inter- and, and the simple things that you can do, maybe it's just something as, as, simple as like a little welcome drink that you know it's like somebody really loves gin and you've got something that's a gin-based drink for them or they really like whiskey you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be extreme it's the simple touches that are personalized that go a very very long way and it doesn't have to cost you a lot and even going back to what brian said as far as like the flowers it's like something like that you know if you if you take pride in it like They'll take a photo of that and they'll share that. And it's, you know, <laughs> they're doing your marketing for you, right. you know? So it's like, think about, you know, it's it's that pay it forward. So it's like, if you do that little bit of something extra, it will come back to you tenfold. So instead of nickel and diming over like, how much extra is this going to be? Or can I make like, you know, is this going to cost five bucks and I'm going to lose this? Or what? I mean, like you have to look at the everything on a bigger, bigger picture and a bigger scale and know that the experience is going to drive people back. And that's the value. It's how they're made to feel is the value versus so many other aspects. So that's a good, so yeah. that's a great way to end Brian. I think there, don't I agree. yeah. What a lesson. One, one, one little extra what? thing is you're an expert at what you know and what you love. Don't try to go outside of your wheelhouse to offer something you think people are are looking for. Yeah. If you don't know about that subject, if you don't know how to execute something, it's going to execute poorly. It's <laughs> in, um, and, and I find a lot of people try to do things that just aren't aren't within their scope. So the little things done really well is what people speak so a about. Long way. Totally. Sarah, you create a ton of content. If people want to follow you, you know, just kind of learn from you. What are the different ways? I I, I know you're on LinkedIn, but this may take a while. Give them all the the different ways (laughs) to absorb your content. That's right. That we can stalk you. It's pretty simple. No, so you can connect with me, obviously, on LinkedIn. I'm under my name, Sarah Dandeshi, but then all my platforms, really, really simple, easy. It's ask a concierge. So be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. And um, and then, yeah, I'm there. I'm answering on the other side. So definitely send a message. And if they want to buy your book, where can they? 
If you want to buy my book, you can find it on Amazon. So super easy, quick. It's Hospitality from Within. Or if you do want a signed copy, you can uh, still get a signed copy on the website, which is hospitalityfromwithin.com. So again, try to keep it so simple and easy for everybody. All I ask is that if you do a signed copy, maybe just give me a couple of days because I am on the road. So, so I do actually hit sign and write a special note to everybody that buys it directly from that site. So um, I actually have to be here physically to do that. There you go. <laughs> a little hospitality from within. Sarah, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time today. Horace, thank you so much for having me. This is great. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We are Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Humawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.